Hello, I'm Dave Watts, and this is the Redundancy Podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to share the challenges of finding and keeping a job as an older worker. In this podcast, I have a guest, Matt Wozell from Wilmington, North Carolina in the USA, and we're going to talk about the four different types of CVs or resumes and how you identify which one to use when applying for a job. We're also going to touch on age, experience and qualifications. How do you deal with these in a resume? Do you hide that level of detail or flaunt it or something else? Matt is a certified professional resume writer, career coach and outplacement expert. Matt has a long history working in human resources and with recruitment and staffing teams across a number of industries. He's been featured on websites including The Ladders, Monster, Money, Yahoo Finance and Higher Ed Jobs amongst others. Matt has been writing resumes and career coaching for 16 years. Matt, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you, Dave, for having me today. It's a real pleasure. Matt, the prime purpose of a CV or resume is to get you to an interview. It's not an autobiography to use one quote I came across. And from experience, plus having written more CVs than I care to remember, it isn't up there in my top 10 of fun things to do. From my research, it appears there are four basic types of resumes. Functional, chronological, combination, and targeted. Firstly, do you agree? And could you take us through each one and explain what they are and their main characteristics? Absolutely. And yes, you did hit it on the head with the four types of resumes being the chronological, functional, combinational, and targeted. And it's not something that has to be complex by any means. I'll kind of try to keep it pragmatic as possible to understand. And first and foremost, chronological. Everyone kind of sort of knows this. This is one of those setups where you have your experience listed in order per dates from the newest to the oldest. Chronological resumes, their most commonly used format, I would say, if you are someone with a pretty decent work history, someone that's kind of showed progression in a career, hasn't jumped around too much. This is kind of a safe bet because it's linear. It's easy for the recruitment team and hire managers to understand the ebb and flow of what you've done and where you're at in your career. But it's not good for everyone. I'll get into some reasons why. So essentially, the chronological is a quick snapshot of your work history again, with the most recent positions up front. The functional is a little different. Unlike chronological resumes, functional resumes focus on your skills and experience first. This type of resume kind of de-emphasizes the dates and more or less puts the employment history a little bit further down. And now this is going to be good for covering up red flags and things like that. I can get into that a little bit more in the conversation, but essentially the functional is laid out where you're going to have some highlights and accomplishments more in the forefront with the history, quote unquote, work history in the bottom. The combination, this one is, and this is kind of a fan favorite for me, uh, combination resumes are essentially resumes that let you detail both your skills and experience, kind of while backing up your chronological work history. Because again, this could be something where let's say you have a good work history, but you really want to emphasize some of those accomplishments in the forefront of your resume. And this is kind of a setup that allow you to take some really neat, let's say transferable concepts that you know you can handle that directly relate to your targeted role. And those are the kind of statements you really want to highlight because hire managers will see those and see that you have this common language and you're kind of 
thinking and talking to talk and that kind of mentality. So again, combinational, it's a flexible nature. The combination resume lets you tailor your resume to the prospective job opening and kind of tell the hiring managers your story. And then finally, the targeted resume. Now, this one is kind of a newer themed idea, and targeted resumes are more customized in detail to the actual prospective job you are seeking. Everything from your summary, your qualifications, all the way down to your education mirrors the job requirements. This can be a little shaky depending on how much you really do have that can transfer and target towards your role that you want. So again, we all know rule number one, do not fib on your resume. So from that notion, go from there and developing it. And and I know we're going to get in a little bit of detail about who should use what type. So I'll, I'll kind of save my breath and just kind of leave it at that. Thank you. One thing I would just ask you, you mentioned or you used the phrase red flag. What does that mean? Excellent question. A red flag is essentially some items on your resume that cause some concern for the hiring managers and the recruiters. This is going to be something that catches their eye that doesn't make sense. The biggest red flags that anyone will tell you, and you can look it up, is going to be your work history. Is there a gap? Is there job hopping? These are things that worry and cause concern over the hiring team because the hiring process from sourcing, which is essentially them trying to find you, all the way until the offer letter and negotiation process. And moreover, even when you start training, this is a long, arduous process. This is not something overnight. A lot of minds have to come together and a lot of time has to be spent away from day-to-day projects to spend on this hiring process. So they don't have time to, let's say, bring people through the hiring loop and then find out later oh, they were a bad apple. They do leave a job every month or two. So these red flags are ways for them to identify the right questions to ask to the candidate and say, hey, eliminate these red flags for me. Tell me the story. What's your side of things? Why is this bad work history? Or why did you not complete your four-year degree? If you were there for four years, what happened at the end? Little, little details on your resume that some job seekers might not even realize can be detrimental to you being a viable candidate. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I understand now. How do you know which of those to use then? Because there are many different types of jobs. There are many different types of applications. Are there generally clues in the job description that will guide you into which type or style you should be using? Because I'm guessing that you shouldn't use the same, well, I'm not guessing, I know that you shouldn't use the same resume for each job. You have to tailor it to the job you're going for. But somewhere we're in there, Am I going for functional, chronological, and so on? How do you identify which one to use? Great question. So a couple pieces here. First, you're absolutely right. Tailor your resume to the job. So again, this whole targeted resume idea, that is going to be almost essentially every resume should be targeting the job you're going after. Now, obviously, if you're, let's say, a compliance officer and you're going for a compliance leadership type role, well, it's going to be a little easier to show those transferable skills and those targeted type of statements. But for the people that might utilizing, let's say, experiential learning or possibly just academia as their only tangible knowledge and source of experience for that targeted role, it could be a little hairy. So I'll step back and say the clues on the job description There are going to be a plethora of applicant tracking system friendly buzzwords on those job descriptions. Whether or not it tells you what type of resume to use, I cannot 
maybe validate that statement because again, when I'm writing a resume for a client or whatnot, I am worried about this person's story and how are we going to show this messaging to the hiring managers properly? So I don't really leverage the job description in the sense of what type of format, quote unquote, but I do use it for those applicant tracking system buzzwords. Now, applicant tracking systems are essentially a software that recruiters use to dump your information into and then find it later if you're a viable candidate. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be anything complex. Again, this is just software that manages resumes and candidacy. So if you are a candidate, think in terms of, hey, I'm, I'm a candidate out of a thousand people. I got to have the right words on this resume so the recruiters find me. Words that associate with your industry, with your role. Uh, so there's little nuances you know you can find. If you're a project manager, add some methodologies, whether it's Lean Six Sigma or 5S and or whatever the certifications or continuing education you've acquired, any sort of training, any sort of on-the-job work that maybe some new software or maybe a new process you helped with, whatever. Just try to think in terms of what are some of the the jargon that's being thrown around that type of work, and can that help you be found in these applicant tracking systems. So also I should piggyback also job descriptions and use LinkedIn under the endorsement section. The people on LinkedIn, everyone has them at the very bottom on our profile, it says endorsements. Go find people that are working in roles you wanna be in. See what kind of endorsements they have on their LinkedIn and then go acquire the knowledge of that and understand how that piece fits into the process that is that company or that industry, whatever the issue is that you're trying to understand. So kind of work your way towards being a subject matter expert and knowing what the heck you're doing for this type of job that you're targeting that might be a bit of a stretch. So in terms of who should use what type of resume and when, so the chronological, I, again, I'll, I can't preach this enough. If you have a solid work history, your experience is aligned with the job, you know, no lapses between employment, use this format. But I would say this, I would advise on not going beyond 10 years of experience just for the sake of relevance. And I will probably preach this a few more times in this podcast, but please do not mark the 1990s stuff on there. They don't care, but I will tell you how you can weave it in later. So having said the chronological, the most fundamental one to use, if you seem like you have a decent work history, Keep it as is with the chronological. Now, if you start getting some issues going with employment, if you have lapses, maybe you're in the middle of a career transition, recent college grad with limited work experience, or frankly, you were a quote unquote Jack or Jill of all trades. Maybe you kind of came up having a diverse background with no real career path. Use the functional. This is going to be, again, taking right. statements and phrases that are accomplishments based, kind of bottom line driven and fleshing them into a little section called accomplishments. And then under there, having something that says professional work history or what whatnot, and listing just the company, the title, location, sometimes dates. I mean, I like to keep dates to like make sure you're not being too ambiguous, but you can get a little creative with the date thing. And I can talk later about that, but I'm a fan of just keeping dates, whether you even have to summarize it or kind of make it a catch-all. Or you could say something like this, Work history, parentheses, 2010 to present, and then list the companies, your title, and the locations. So next one, combination. This is the one you want to detail your work experience, but also show the type of employee you are. So again, having those accomplishments in the forefront and then having that experience underneath it. So 
having the statements that are going to be directly related to the job you've been doing that also relate to the job you're targeting, really picking the main five that you're really proud of. Uh, any projects you've done in the past that had much success, you can show numbers and KPIs even better, but those are what you want in the forefront. And then the experience section should still be quantifiable. Even if you don't have metrics attached, they should still make an impact, make it relevant all the way through. And then finally, targeted. These are the most time-consuming, but again, they generate the best results because your qualifications and experience you outline mirrors that prospective job opening. And so, again, time-consuming, though, because you got to do it constantly. Yeah, but if it's yeah. worth it to you, why not? But again, be careful. When you develop a targeted resume, you need to be as accurate as possible and not embellish career highlights just to mirror the job. As I mentioned earlier, no fibbing. So all resumes, no matter the format, should be targeting your preferred job regardless. <laughs> I'll end with that. <laughs> a question I get asked regularly by older workers is the one about age. Although it isn't legal in many countries to ask for your age in applications, it can be quite easy to deduce it from the phrases you use or even a quick click on LinkedIn. I can think of examples... I might be exaggerating here, such as trained in Lotus 123, a proficient user of Word for Windows 3.2, or mentioning that you met Ronald Reagan on one of his movie sets. What do you advise them when it comes to that sort of detail? Because you said don't fib, but age is an issue and ageism is prevalent in the recruitment market, as we know. Sure. You know, and that's a great question. And I, I kind of have to have a split answer. I agree and disagree. And here's why I'll say while age discrimination isn't supposed to happen, it does. It's unfortunate, but recruiters, they're going to have bad practices and habits. And I've worked with people that get up on the wrong side of the bed and, and all of a sudden every candidate that day is not viable. So people are people, but hiding your age on your resume is not necessarily a smart move. And that's for a number of reasons. You know, you're going to have wisdom and tangible on the job experience coming with that. Remember, your age is a part of who you are, like it or not. So you don't have to shine great big spotlight on it, but you can't change it either. Your general age range will become evident sooner or later in the hiring process. So if you're still concerned about age discrimination, I do have a few strategies I kind of was working through. And it just kind of helps if you are really that concerned. First, do not remove employment dates. While it, like, and this is why I said earlier about the functional piece where sometimes and very rarely time do you try to do that. But again, for the most of you, it might be tempting. Don't do it. It means you're going to be hiding something on your resume and it's frowned upon by recruiters or hiring managers. It's out of character for them and it's one extra step for them to have to go and ask you, when did you work where? Because again, they are, again, fast paced people. They don't have time to stop out of this ebb and flow they have every day to ask you about what dates you had on your resume. If you're a viable candidate and they really like you, they may take that time, but most of the time they're going to move on. So like this, like I said earlier, standard resume lists, employment history and chronological order. Anything that veers outside of that is going to be kind of suspicious. So um, the only reason I would remove dates on a resume is to hide something like your age or employment gap. But I would not lean on it. Recruiters and hire managers know what's going on these days with that. I would say do remove dates on your degrees, okay? You can do that. If you're out of school within maybe, say, four or five years and you're starting to get that mid-level, remove the dates associated with the education or degrees. There's really no kind of red flags with that. I've seen it firsthand. As long as you have a degree and if it's mandating that, that's kind of what they're checking for. Don't list everything. This is going to be something I have with my clients a lot that are in this scenario, and they feel like three, four pages should be relatively 
common theme for them because they're mm-hmm. like, well, I can't yeah. lose any of this good experience. This is the most important thing to keep in mind when creating a resume and you want to de-emphasize any sort of age. It's the hardest to implement, but your resume does not have to be a complete history of employment. Just like you said before, listing everything could generate easily three or four pages and we're trying to stick to two right now. And, and it's not because of the old idea of carrying a suitcase into an office saying, here's my resume. Can I get an interview today? I mean, you don't want to shuffle around papers. That was the idea before. Nowadays, everyone's scrolling. So it really isn't such a big emphasis on making a two-pager. It's mainly just for relevance because people get bored. So if you can't summarize what you've done in two pages, how efficient are you really? You're going to have to do some pruning. And the rule of thumb is to focus on, again, relevant, recent experience. Think of it this way. Your resume is your marketing brochure. It should highlight what the prospective employer wants to see the most. The work you did within past 10 years. Anything outside of that, again, it's deemed irrelevant. And there are ways to weave it in, though. And I'll get to those. Let me just say, though, about the workplace being drastically changed in the last years with technology and trends are just evolving and moving so quick. So the things you achieved 10 years ago in general are not going to be relevant just for the sake of the way things are these days. Okay. So here's how you can do it though. Again, with that mentality of having those accomplishments before your experience, if you were to set up kind of a combinational resume, take some of those achievements, maybe from 1995 at IBM, maybe one or two that you were like, I really, this was like such a huge budget I worked with and large team and weave it into the accomplishments section and then let them ask you where that was. At least now you have them on the horn and you're doing an interview and you're actually getting an ability to talk with them, this is a time where you can clear that up using your voice rather than hoping your words speak for themselves on the resume. So if it gets you in the interview room at least, then you can talk about accomplishments being a little bit dated. But again, just little tips like that that might help you get through the screening. (laughs) And that's a really important point that because as we said at the beginning, the point of a resume is to get you to the interview. After that, you're on your own, but that's what it's got to get you there. What about impressive qualifications? Should you be dumbing down in some way or even omitting some of them? I exaggerate to make a point, but what if you had a PhD and the job didn't require it? Do you leave it in or do you leave it out? This one, I actually agree on the the quote unquote dumbing it down. And it's so funny. You would think by now we'd have an industry standard way of saying that because all of us encounter it a lot. But I still say that exact same phrase of my clients. And they know I got a client right now working on exact same dilemma, former executive wanting to do real estate sales. We're piecing together his messaging on the resume and we're kind of combining all his sales methodologies and accomplishments And weaving in those, again, metrics, KPIs, the ones that are tangible, whether it's a percentage or just a monetary value. So again, we're making it seem like this person can handle a full sales cycle. Even though they've been an executive, let's take some of the really neat things that he's done that relate to sales. So again, it's like you've worked so hard to get the the PhD or you worked so hard to do X, Y, and Z on your resume, but sometimes you just got to cut bait and you just got to know, hey, for what I'm doing now, it really doesn't matter that association I spent 10 years building and being on the board with and yada, yada, yada. That's fine if if you want to go for a board position. But when you're trying to do something a little bit lower on the rung just for the sake of maybe a passion or, frankly, better time management with work-life balance or whatever the situation is, I think it's not a bad idea to dumb it down. Biggest thing is you don't want to be overqualified, and that's what you everyone will get if you don't do that. I mean, especially in a role more aligned, like I said, with the passion over, let's say, a previous professional tenure. So if you're going from 150 k 
and you don't mind making 75K to go back into a management or a contributor type role, you got to have the option to explain yourself in an interview room. And if the resume is the thing that gets you in an interview room, why not just dumb it down a little bit and then tell your complete story once you actually have people in front of you? You know, I really like that. That's such a good piece of advice that use it in the interview room as part of the story and the narrative you tell there. Have you any overarching advice for an older worker completing a resume? Should there be anything they should be doing or should not be doing? Excellent question. So I would say accomplishments over tasks, and this is kind of, uh, everyone will tell you this, but if you keep it bottom line driven, pragmatic, and concise. Those are my biggest three. If you're being logical, quick to the point, and it's and it's showing that you add value to the hiring manager, that will make you stick out more than any candidate if they are, let's say, maybe let's say more viable of a candidate, quote unquote, with the title, but maybe that candidate didn't take the time to really have a good resume to show more impacts to the bottom line. Yours will speak more volume if you can make that mentality of, hey, the hiring manager has pain points. I'm going to alleviate them. They got this open requisition. Why? I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to tell them why. I'm going to be the one that resolves things to keep workflow going. So if the hiring managers, if they're looking at your resume and they're not crinkling their foreheads when they're reading your resume, you're halfway there. <laughs> now it's just a matter of if you fit. I I love that phrase. You're not crinkling their foreheads. That's such a quotable quote. I, I think we're going to have to patent that or copyright it. It's wonderful. Thank you, Matt. There's been some really terrific advice, and I'm delighted you've been able to share it with me and the listeners as well. What's next for you, and how can you be contacted? Excellent. Thank you for asking. Actually, if you want to contact me, you can go to my blog. It's www.jobstickers.com, kind of like pot stickers, but job stickers. And there it will link you to my website and you can contact me if you have any questions regarding resumes or interviews or career coaching in general. And essentially next for me is just kind of continue building my resume writing firm and meeting wonderful folks like you and kind of networking out there and trying to put people into jobs and moreover than that into careers they actually want to do. So that's where I wake up every day with a smile on my face because I like making an impact to the people's livelihood and their families and everything else that that dovetails off of what we do. So get yourself a professional if you're not sure what to do next because again your competition is don't cut corners. It's too important. What a good point. What a great point to end on. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. It's been a huge pleasure talking to you and thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. The podcast is researched, written and produced entirely by me, Dave Watts. And thank you again for listening. I'll be back in a few weeks and my contact details follow next. You can make contact with me via my website, theredundancypodcast.com, which has a synopsis of this and all the podcast main points by emailing me at theredundancypodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or via Twitter with the hashtag at redundancypcast.com.